Support for IPR comes from Orchestra Iowa, presenting Pops on the River, an outdoor concert experience with songs from the Eagles featuring the Seven Bridges Band and the entire symphony. June 1st at McGrath Amphitheater. Tickets at orchestraiowa.com. It's River to River from IPR News. I'm Ben Kiefer. Legislative Monday today focusing on proposals making their way in the legislature concerning um, education and gender at the State House. Legislation advancing that would restrict what Iowa schools can teach about gender identity. Uh, also, the question of parental consent when kids identify as transgender at school. My co host uh, for this hour, IPR education reporter Grant Gerlach. Hello, Grant. Hi, Ben. During this hour, we'll hear um, soon from supporters and uh, a supporter and an opponent from the legislation, as well as lawmakers later on from each side of the aisle. Uh, Listeners, please join us with your questions, especially if this impacts you personally, perhaps a child of yours, 1-866-780-9100, 1-866-780-9100, or email us, river to river at iowapublicradio.org. Grant, in a nutshell, give us a a quick overview of the main proposals we'll be um, focusing on this hour, House File 9 and House File 83. Yeah, I'll try to give you a a quick description of a few of the bills that have been working around the legislature so far that, uh, as you say, touch on policies toward accommodating transgender students and how curriculum and class time relate to gender identity and or sexual orientation. Um, so first uh, is HF9, and it actually passed through committee now, so it's it's called HF180. If people are looking it up, those numbers change along the way. But this is the bill that would require written consent from a parent or guardian before a school can use a different name or pronouns for a student to affirm their identity or allow accommodations uh, such as using a different bathroom or locker room. And so, again, that wouldn't be allowed until a parent has given permission. Um, And then there's the issue of curriculum and, and banning instruction relating to gender identity or sexual orientation. The House and Senate each have their own bills on this. In the Senate bill, it says that curriculum used in kindergarten through eighth grade shall not include instruction relating to gender identity. Uh, The House bill is a little different. It says a school district shall not provide any curriculum or class materials, tests, surveys, activities, or instruction relating to gender identity or sexual orientation, and that would be for kindergarten to third grade. So there's a difference in the grade levels that each bill includes and just the breadth of what's included. The last thing I would mention is that Governor Kim Reynolds said last week that she plans to introduce her own bill that would include uh, some of these things. When it comes to the the content in classrooms, she said her bill would um, ban Uh, teaching about gender identity or sexual content in kindergarten to third grade. So the House, the Senate, the governor Mm. all have slightly different but related proposals on these issues. Right, and we'll hear audio from the governor a little bit later in the program. Uh, Thanks for now, Grant. Well, let's first hear from a supporter of this legislation. Earlier this morning, I spoke with Sam Fett. She represents the national conservative advocacy group Moms for Liberty. She is the Warren County chapter chair of that group. She's also the mother of a senior in high school in the Carlisle School District, uh, a daughter. And we welcome you, Sam Fett. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. 
give us the basics on why you are a supporter of this legislation and its aim. Sure. I mean, one of the things I will point out is that Moms for Liberty, we're dedicated, joyful warriors, and we're fighting for the survival of America. And we do that by unifying and educating, empowering parents to defend their parental rights at all levels of government. And so right now we're focused on education because we do have some legislation that is specific to parental rights and making sure that those are protected. When you speak about specifically um, House File 9, that is something that gives parental consent for the children to identify differently than what it says on their birth certificate. So that just really wraps in making sure the parents are aware aware of what's going on in the schools. Mm -hmm. LGBTQ advocates uh, against this legislation have told lawmakers in testimony that many transgender youth keep their identity confidential because it could expose them to bullying or abuse either at school or at home if they sense from their parents uh, that uh, there would be a, a problem in coming out to their parents. What is your reaction to these concerns? You know, I think that those are definitely valid concerns. We certainly want children to have a place where they can talk to someone outside of their home with a trusted adult. But remember that it's a tough space to be in because school districts can't, shouldn't keep secrets from parents. And we understand that these schools want to be trusted institutions, but as a matter of policy, they also want to keep secrets. We have to find a smart way to, be, to do it both ways, right? And so recognize that parents have been entrusted with the primary responsibility for their children. So this is not about recognizing transgender, um, gender identity, according to medical science for you? No, this is simply just making sure however that child wants to be identified, the parent is involved in that process. It's parental rights. It really comes down to parental rights, regardless of the subject matter. Yeah. So so what about the, the situation where a child feels more comfortable with a uh, a teacher and doesn't feel comfortable saying this to the to, to, to a parent, and, and if it goes, the, the child goes to a teacher or a counselor because he or she or they feel comfortable, that teacher or counselor under this law would have to be a mandatory reporter for conversations like these. Is that the right way, in your opinion? I do believe that's the right way. I mean, that is the, the fundamental piece of the parental rights. The parents need to know what's going on. And being a mandatory reporter is part of a teacher's job. And again, we don't want to be keeping secrets. Let's talk a little bit about this group, LGBTQ, the youth there, according to a survey from the Trevor Project. It's an organization that provides crisis support for LGBTQ youth. Nearly half of them, these youth, seriously considered attempting suicides in the past year. Uh, I wonder if you fear or have concerns like the LGBTQ advocates have that the, the students would just, if there's a mandatory reporter in the form of a teacher or a counselor and they don't feel comfortable talking about it with their parents, where does a student turn to? In no way do I, I, am I saying that the, that the child that is suffering or has these concerns can't share that information with a trusted teacher. That's certainly not what we're trying to say. We're just trying to say that the teacher cannot or the school district cannot Keep that from the parent, and so right. I understand the, that there's a lot of human yeah, suffering but, going on. Yeah, yeah, but if the, of course, if a student believes and knows that the teacher or counselor has to report this to his or her or their parents, then they will perhaps not have that conversation they need, um, um, and their their mental health may suffer. 
You know what I mean? Because if if you don't believe it's going to be confidential when you go to a teacher, you 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 may not go there. And hypothetically, that potentially could be the case. I mean, that's speculation. But again, having trusted adults in a child's life from any source, whether it's their church, their school, um, you know, parents, friends, we need to remember that we want to support children at all levels. But parents need to be part of a conversation that deals with something like gender identity because it's such a sensitive topic and it does have lasting effects. We understand mm-hmm. the human suffering um, and what's going on in the school districts, and we certainly want to protect children. But again, we need to remember that parents have been entrusted with the primary responsibility for their children. Getting between the parents and the children should only be avoided in extreme unsafe environments, and there's structures in place right now for that type of situation. So. You know, it's not really up to the school or the school district or the teachers to determine whether or not, you know, a child's home is unsafe. That's something that needs to be determined by professionals in that area. So we're sensitive to that topic. This is by no means trying to target a certain particular group of individuals. We're just trying to balance the fact that parental rights need to be part of this equation. Okay, so there are those sensitive topics you feel schools need to keep parents informed about all sensitive topics, not just gender. Yeah, I mean, what about abuse in the home or drug drug addiction? And I mean, there's lots of different human. What about what about if the parent is the abuser? Uh, Then the mandatory reporter would be have to report to the parents uh, about the abuse. Right. So what? What this law only says we need to have a parent permission slip to identify the student something different than what's on their birth certificate. We're not talking about turning in the parents. We're not talking about any of those serious issues. This is just about parental consent for changing their pronouns. You know, there's situations where we have, I mean, what are we doing right now if there's a situation that um, a student comes to a teacher and says, my my parents are abusing me. What, what's, mm-hmm. what's, the, what's the protocol? What are we doing now? What are, parents, what are teachers doing right now for that? Yeah. That would be a mandatory reporting situation, is what you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay, Sam Fett, thank you very much. Uh, Sam Fett, uh, uh, Warren County chapter, Chair of the uh, Moms for Liberty, also the mother of a senior at, in the uh, Carlisle School District uh, High School. Thank you, Sam Fett. Thank you so much. Back, uh, that conversation recorded earlier this morning, Ben Kiefer back live uh, with my co-host, uh, Grant Gerlach. I wonder in the minute or two we have before we go to break, uh, Grant, uh, did that get to the crux of what's being uh, debated there in Des Moines? Yeah, I think uh, one of the key words to take from that conversation and uh, this debate is parents' rights. Um, that is um, a word, an issue, a term that uh, really is has been pushed by the governor and also this group Moms for Liberty that Samantha Fed is involved with. Just a little bit more about that group. They're originally based in Florida. Um, they've branched out across the country. There are several chapters now in Iowa. And this is a group that is, has, it doesn't, uh, they claim to be a nonpartisan group, but really it has tapped into uh, this movement among conservative parents picking up on these culture war type issues as they relate to schools. And they held an event last week that was sort of a, a rally and a town hall discussion on these gender identity issues in schools, 
uh, about the new school choice law, where Governor Reynolds spoke at that event. So she has also really aligned herself with this emerging group. So it's uh, something for people to be aware of and and how that um, that term parental rights really applies to this issue of transgender rights in schools. Also, uh, how it relates to the discussion that we'll have about curriculum in schools, school choice, uh, book challenges, all those things. Yeah. Uh, from their perspective, parental rights is, is key to that. Right. And there's so many, so many proposals currently having to do with gender and education. We'll be back and we'll talk with an opponent of the legislation. Uh, we just talked about parental, um, uh, that involves parental consent and gender identity when we come back. Uh, Andy Sutton is a teacher in the Des Moines School District. We'll hear from her when we return. It's River to River from IPR News. Support for IPR comes from Orchestra Iowa. Presenting Pops on the River, an outdoor concert experience with songs from the Eagles featuring the Seven Bridges Band and the entire symphony. June 1st at McGrath Amphitheater. Tickets at orchestraiowa.com. Support for IPR comes from Patrick Furry Law, a business law firm offering technology agreements, intellectual property law, privacy law, and more. Proudly supporting quality local journalism. Online at patrickfurrylaw.com. We're back with more River to River from IPR News. I'm Ben Kiefer with um, IPR education reporter Grant Gerlach in the co-host seat uh, this hour. We're talking about uh, gender identity and education, several proposals, as Grant before the break just described, uh, uh, making their way at various stages uh, through the legislature here in Iowa. Uh, One, uh, parents would have to provide written consent before a school could call a transgender student by a name or pronouns that affirm their gender identity. Also, that schools could not knowingly withhold information about a student's gender identity or their intention to transition to a different gender, use a different pronoun, for example. Also, uh, to do with curriculum, uh, prohibiting schools possibly from including gender identity in kindergarten through eighth grade curriculum and instruction. We'd love to hear from you this hour. 1-866-780-9100, River to River at iowapublicradio.org. Well, before the break, we heard from a proponent of that legislation requiring parental consent. Uh, Now let's hear a different voice. Earlier today, I spoke with an opponent of the legislation, specifically HF9, requiring parental consent to affirm transgender identity. Andy Sutton is a teacher, also a uh, sponsor of the Gay Straight Alliance Club uh, at their high school. Um, Andy Sutton, welcome to the program. Thank you. You have a, a child who is trans, and, and they use the uh, uh, pronouns, uh, they, them. Um, and uh, so you're a teacher, and you're very involved with LGBTQ um, uh, kids at, at school. So this is interesting. Why do you oppose this legislation? I realize both with my own uh, child and with the students that I've worked with over many years that it's important to affirm who a student is to recognize them in a way they want to be recognized. Um, We even do this for students who aren't LGBTQ. We allow them nicknames and other names other than what they go by. It just helps as they're trying to figure out who they are and come into their own identity. I mean, gender identity is is a bit different than any old nickname. I think we we can uh, both agree on that. What do you say to those 
that this is, who say this is about parental rights, that parents of minors deserve to be informed about matters concerning their child's sexual identity, especially when it's a non-binary gender. I would have to go back to what I've learned uh, through Iowa Safe Schools and through working with youth that not all of our parents are accepting or uh, safe to be around when they hear that their child is so different from what they anticipated. I would like to believe that every parent wants what's best for their child and is accepting and loving and embracing who their child is and who wouldn't harm their own child. But the truth is, we do have those parents that exist in Iowa. Mm -hmm. And and in cases where a parent is abusing a child, there is a mandatory reporting on the part of the the teacher. So why doesn't that take care of this? It bothers us as teachers, and maybe I shouldn't speak for all teachers, but it's, it's a long process for that, and we know that. Calling DHS, hoping that DHS is able to get a realistic picture of the home life instead of a facade that a parent can put on when they know that someone is coming to watch them. Um, It is a long process for kids to have to go through, for us to have to go through. And when it comes down to it, we really don't know what happens as a result for that child unless something bad happens to them. And it feels like, you know, why should we force a kid to be put in danger Um, without doing something about it if we already know something bad could happen to them. How does your experience with your child as a parent of a trans child and also as the sponsor of a a gay-straight alliance club in the high school inform your position on this? They have come home at times um, completely run down emotionally by the number of times that they will hear the Epsler in the hallways. Sometimes this is said around teachers and teachers may or may not react to it. But I do know that my child has a couple of teachers that are affirming of their gender, of their name that they use, and that makes all the difference to Elliot, is that they are recognized for who they are, even if it's just in a couple of classes. And and what do you fear would happen if this legislation advances, uh, finds its way to the governor's desk, and is signed into law? What instances, uh, uh, scenarios do you, do you imagine? Fear. I'm concerned that some teachers will be so afraid of making a mistake that they won't respect my written consent as per the law to have my child um, use their preferred name and their pronouns. I think uh, the same could be said for my students in Des Moines, that there are many teachers who are scared of the repercussions that could come at them, both at the school district and then trickle down to the teacher themselves, if they were to even slip up and make a mistake. This, uh, I'm not sure if this feels just like a witch hunt for LGBTQ youth and trans youth in particular, but it almost feels like they're trying to catch teachers in the act of doing something wrong. And that's not our intention with students. We want to do right by students. From what I gather, this is uh, about just parents who are concerned here having the right to know what's going on with their child in terms of their gender identity in school and how they're how they're named in school. Doesn't a parent have the right to that? I would like to say yes. Parents should have that right. But parents also are expected to take on certain responsibilities. And not every parent parents in the same way. I'm concerned for the students that don't have that support at home, 
I'm concerned for the students even more who don't see that support at school. Should parents know? In a perfect world, yes, they should know and they should be involved. But we don't even have parents involved in education until they find out about gender identity. And then suddenly they're interested now. We definitely have students in the GSA that are scared to tell their parents. And that could be for a couple of reasons. It could be they are really frightened that they're going to end up homeless because of the way their parents perceive gender identity and sexuality. Some are afraid that they might disappoint their parents. And there are times where I know that I and other teachers have had conversations with students that are actually encouraging them to talk with their parents, to have that conversation, to trust that their parents will come through. Those conversations are happening, but they happen on a case-by-case basis. The students I'm aware of that are concerned about sharing with their home life, um, some of them have some of them have shared ideas of suicide, which I then have reported. But you know, I why are we getting to the point where we have to make children feel bad about who they are? I'm conflicted on the parental rights. That conversation with Des Moines school teacher Andy Sutton recorded earlier this morning. Back live with IPR's Grant Gerlach there um, earlier in the hour. We heard a supporter, now an opponent of that uh, one uh, proposal uh, with the parental consent being mandated. Grant, what are your thoughts when you hear that uh, th- that latest conversation there with Andy Sutton? Well, what we heard earlier in the hour was uh, Samantha Fett talking about parents' rights. Opponents of this bill, I would say their key points are student privacy and student safety. Um, as we heard, they want to include parents, but they also want the discretion to be able to um, to protect students if they might be in a home that's unsupportive or to allow them to open up to their families in their own time about their gender identity um, just as, as, as a precaution for, for their mental health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we, we do have to recognize that um, the LGBTQ uh, community, especially youth, um, we show statistics, unfortunately, that um, uh, there is a great incidence of um, attempted suicide uh, there and suicidal thoughts as well, don't we? Yes, that's right. Yeah, that comes up often. Yeah. Okay. So so let's move on here. You mentioned earlier in the program, uh, Grant, uh, that the governor spoke last week. Let's hear a couple of clips of, of um, Governor Reynolds last Thursday speaking at the Giving Parents a Voice Town Hall, uh, which was hosted by the conservative-leaning advocacy group Moms for Liberty. This was at Franklin Junior High School in Des Moines. Uh, here she is describing the legislation in her own words. And that's why I submitted a proposal this week to restore sanity, to make sure our schools remain a place of learning and not indoctrination. It would provide that no instruction regarding gender identity or sexual activities take place between kindergarten through third grade, and I'm willing to work on the legislature to determine what grade that goes to. It it requires that schools keep parents informed, and yes, that includes new names and pronouns, which schools can only use when they obtain written parental consent. 
We're also insisting on transparency in curriculum, books available to students and guest speakers that are brought to the school, and material that's removed by any Iowa school district would require consent in every district before being shared with children. Now, Governor Reynolds told the group also that district policies have omitted parent involvement. You know, over the last few years, even here in Iowa, we've seen district policies direct staff to conceal 12-year-old children's preferred pronouns from their own parents. We've seen, yeah, we've seen kids taught by trusted adults that they're either oppressors or they're being oppressed. We've seen school books at so sexually graphic that, as you heard, a local TV station couldn't air an excerpt in books as I read them out loud on the camera without a warning. Governor Reynolds speaking last week at a Give Parents a Choice town hall hosted by the conservative-leaning advocacy group Moms for Liberty Liberty. Going to have um, a lawmaker in the legislature on either side of the aisle in just a moment. Join our conversation, Grant Gerlock. But do you have anything to add to to what the the, the governor has been saying lately? Well, this is uh, the governor shifting her focus from school choice, uh, which was the focus the first few weeks of the legislative session, to now this transparency, parents' rights issue, um, as it relates to the things we've been talking about. Um, consent for using uh, transgender names and pronouns for a student or for um, or restrictions on how schools include gender identity or sexual orientation in class curriculum. Um, you heard there were, there are some differences between the governor's proposal and the House and Senate proposals on this. She would include kindergarten through third grade. She mentioned gender identity or sexual activities. We haven't seen the full text of the bill, so it's not clear exactly what would be included in her definitions compared to the other two bills. But the the, the main thrust is the same, which is to add some restrictions to schools on when they can discuss these issues in class. Okay. Gender identity and education, the focus of this hour. Uh, we heard from a supporter and an opponent of the legislation. Perhaps uh, you'd like to join here, especially if you have a family member, a child in school, and uh, this matters a great deal to you. We'd love to hear from you this hour. one 780 9100 1-866-780-9100, or email us, river to river at iowapublicradio.org. Joining us for the re- remainder of the hour, uh, two um, representatives, um, in the Iowa legislature, we have Representative Schuyler Wheeler, a, re- uh, a Republican from Hall. Representative Wheeler, uh, you're on the phone. I think you're uh, in your car. Uh, are, are you connected? Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. And also Representative Sharon Steckman is a Democrat from Mason City. Uh, Representative Steckman, I think you're in the law library in our capital. Welcome to you. Thank you very much for the invitation. Uh, Grant, start us off with some questions for our lawmakers, please. Well, first, I'd like to to go back with a couple questions on um, 
HF9, which has been renumbered as HF180, and this is the bill that would require a parent to provide written consent before a teacher or a school could carry out a transgender student's request to, to use a different name or pronouns uh, or to have other accommodations. Representative Wheeler, one of the main concerns that critics of this bill bring up is a distinction that they'd like to draw, that, which is that not all students feel safe being open about their transgender identity at home. And this bill itself does not give teachers discretion to keep those discussions confidential if the safety of a, a student is in question. So how should a teacher respond if they have reason to believe that sharing this information may put a student in jeopardy? Right. So, I mean, the, the impetus of the bill is schools don't have a right to keep secrets from parents. I mean, it's very simple. Uh, I'm a coach. I'm a required mandatory reporter. Uh, nothing like that changes for teachers. Uh, if they believe that, you know, there's an, a potential issue at home, uh, nothing prevents them from taking action. But as a general principle, schools don't have the right to keep secrets from parents. And um, so can you describe what is the problem that this bill really aims to solve and why isn't it something that can be addressed at the local level by the, the local school board or by school administrators themselves? Well, again, you're cutting parents out of conversations about their children. I mean, that's that's obviously a huge problem. Lenmar's policy, uh, if you read through it, it, it literally just cuts the parents out every step of the way. Um, they even solicit uh, requests from students on how they want to go by, uh, how they prefer to be called, et cetera. So it's not like this is something that, you know, is just popping up out of nowhere. I mean, it literally looks like they're just looking for this information. So the problem we're trying to solve here is, you know, the state does not know what's best for for kids. The parents know what's best for their kids, and we're going to keep it that way. Okay, perhaps we could have a—yeah, uh, Representative Steckman. Sorry, Grant, go ahead. Well, Representative Steckman, discussions about how a student uh, believes they are transgender, um, opponents say that those discussions shouldn't be happening without input from parents, and that parents shouldn't find out that their child is using a different name or different mm -hmm. pronouns at school. They shouldn't find out after the fact. So how would you respond to those concerns? Well, I believe in parents' rights. I believe in students' rights. Uh, actually, we passed a bill two years ago that threatens teachers with loss of license if they do not respect the First Amendment right of a student. So this puts teachers in kind of a quandary right now, this bill does. And, um, and I believe most parents, you know, are looking out for the best for their student. But there are those students that need a safe person to talk to until they're ready to tell their parents what's going on or until they feel safe to do that. This bill will give them no one to talk to. And then I worry about suicide and mental depression and bullying and all the things that go with rejecting these students the way this bill is doing. Okay, we have to go to break. We'll be back in just a few moments with Representative Sharon Steckman, a Democrat from Mason City, Representative Schuyler Wheeler, a Republican from Hall, as we discuss uh, various bills making their way through the legislature concerning gender identity and education. Ben Kiefer with my co-host for this hour, IPR education reporter Grant Gerlach. We'll be back in just a moment. Support for IPR comes from Patrick Furry Law a business law firm offering technology agreements, intellectual property law, privacy law, and more. Proudly supporting quality local journalism. 
online at patrickfurylaw.com. Back with more of River to River from IPR News, I'm Ben Kiefer with IPR Education reporter Grant Gerlock as my uh, co-host. Also, uh, we have two lawmakers joining us, uh, Representative Skylar Wheeler, Republican uh, from Hall, and Representative Sharon Steckman, a Democrat from Mason City. And Grant, before we go to callers, so some listener input and reaction to uh, questions uh, from our lawmakers, perhaps you can give us a quick recap. And it's sort of hard to encapsulate because there are so many proposals here uh, that uh, are making their way through the legislature that involve uh, gender, identity, and education. But uh, for those who have just joined us, what are we talking about this hour? Yeah, there are a few different bills, so there are some different moving parts. But the two main proposals are one that would have to do with uh, parent consent before a transgender student uses affirming pronouns in school or has other accommodations in school, like which bathroom or locker room they use. And the other is uh, there are different bills in the House and Senate on this, but they would um, they would put limits on schools teaching or using curriculum or having discussions about gender identity uh, or sexual orientation in, in different grade ranges. So in, in the House, it's kindergarten through third grade. In the Senate bill, it's kindergarten through eighth grade. But those are sort of the different issues that we're talking about. Okay. Well, let's go to our callers, one 780 9100 You can also email us, river to river at iowapublicradio.org. Robin joins us from Iowa City. Good afternoon, Robin. Welcome to our program. Uh, what would you like to uh, pose to our, our lawmaker guests? Well, I'm rather confused as to why they think that schools are being secretive and keeping secrets from parents. Um, there are six of us in my family. I work in a preschool. I have an elementary, a middle school, a high schooler, and my husband works at the university level. And in all of my time through schools, I have literally had teachers and administration begging the parents to come in and volunteer and to get involved and to be a part of this. So where is the secrecy here? It seems like it's just a lot of parents or some legislatures that are really kind of getting upset about something when in actuality they're not doing the work to already be involved. Hmm. Okay, Representative Wheeler, can you address that concern, that comment from Robin in Iowa City, please? Well, I mean, the reality of the situation is Lenmar's policy quite literally cuts parents out of, of discussions in this area. Uh, whether or not a parent is not getting back to a teacher on a separate issue or whatnot, that's a separate issue. But when a school board, which is the government, which is the state, funded by taxpayers, comes out and says, we're going to give permission for the students to cut their parents out of conversations, that is why the conversation comes to the Capitol to say, hold on, since when did we start keeping secrets from parents? That quite literally is keeping a secret from a parent. Representative Steckman, would you like uh, to comment? Yeah, uh, sorry, Representative. Sure. Yeah, uh, <laughs> go ahead, please, Representative Steckman. Okay, I think some politicians and a large, uh, loud, excuse me, vocal minority are trying to erase the LGBTQ students and families, and are sending a very unwelcoming message from our state. Um, I think it's an unnecessary attempt to solve an imaginary problem. It's mean-spirited, reckless, cruel, and bullying some of our students to make them feel less welcome. Um, Parents are already being informed. Kids, as I stated before, they need a safe place to go, a safe person to go to and talk about these issues. And if they find someone at school that they feel is safe, 
it's good that they know that they won't be outed if, uh, you know, unnecessarily. I'd like to shift the focus of what we're talking about, if that's all right, to spend some time talking about these other proposals that have to do with school curriculum and how they relate to gender identity and sexual orientation. As I've mentioned, the, the House bill would include kindergarten through third grade, and it includes uh, curriculum, also materials, activities uh, relating to gender identity and sexual orientation. Those would not be allowed in those grades. So Representative Wheeler, I, I'd like to ask you a few questions to hear more about how this would work and what it actually means in classrooms day to day. Um, so, for instance, the House bill mentions materials. So would school libraries be allowed to hold books that have transgender characters or, or same-sex parents, or would those books need to be removed in response to this bill? You know, the book conversation is a big conversation that continues to come forward. There are parents that have uh, argued against sexually explicit books. I think you and I could read some of the passages and agree that they're wholly inappropriate for grades K through 3. Um that is the idea here. Look, this hasn't happened. And all of a sudden, within the last couple of years, it feels like uh, these continue to come up. We have more and more parents across the state. I'm seeing things constantly. Parents are finding, and it's like, it's time out. These kids are, we're talking about seven and eight-year-olds. Just let them keep their innocence. Uh, that's all the bill does. Okay. Uh, uh, but go when ahead, it comes to, the, to those... Just to follow up, when it comes to those particular books, would, would it be your intention with the bill for schools to be able to have books that have transgender characters, or, or is that something you would like to see removed in response to this? You know, I think the answer to that is just continuing to provide transparency for parents, for parents to be able to decide if something is appropriate for their child at that age. So, again, there's, there's other proposals out there. There's going to be proposals coming forward to take a look at the issue as a whole, but the idea, again, is, you know what, this is not appropriate for 7th and 8th grade, 7th uh, and eight year old kids, uh, and we do want to provide more transparency for those parents. Uh, it's really that simple. And Representative Steckman, you're, you're a former educator. What questions do you have about how this would uh, play out in a classroom setting? Well, I think teachers are becoming more and more stressed and wondering, what can I teach? What if I, what if I say something and it's taken the wrong way? The child goes home and reports me. Teachers are, I mean, I had a forum this weekend and teachers are very stressed about this. They have no idea how this is all going to play out. I mean, they're dealing with kids. Kids say the darndest things. Remember that program? So, uh, you know, in my opinion, Schools have always been open and transparent about what books they have. You can go online and see most everything they're teaching. Um, I welcomed people in my classroom, and I don't know a teacher that doesn't. Um, come and see what we do. Stop this imaginary uh, attack on public education. It's a national agenda, and it's too bad it's reached Iowa. Uh, I have a question uh, about parents' rights and how that applies to to this bill. So. Supporters say it would uphold parents' rights uh, because they want to have conversations about gender identity and sexual orientation at home. They don't want them to happen at school and then have to have, to have conversations they either didn't want to have or a conversation that is different from what they had at school. So like in subcommittees, we've heard from parents who, who clearly don't want gender identity to come up in school because, because it goes against their personal beliefs. We've also heard from parents who want their transgender child to be fully acknowledged 
by their school and their classmates, including in the curriculum. Uh, so, Representative Wheeler, how can parents' rights apply uh, equally in this situation? Right. So I think that's the beauty of our bills. Uh, you know, if, if you don't want those things taught to your students, then you ought to be able to have the right to make sure that happens. If you, the parent, want those things taught to your students, nothing prevents you from doing that yourself. But we have to acknowledge that there are folks at that school that don't want that. And so the easier the easier and the better principle for the state to take is to say, okay, we're not going to have these conversations at school. These are conversations that need to happen at the home between the kids and their parents. Representative Steckman. Well, I think a better uh, stance for the state to take is to leave local school districts do what they do best, and local teachers and uh, kids. As leaders in this state, we should be examples of respect and opportunity for all Iowans and not be zeroing in on one certain population. Hey, let's get some more input before this hour ends as we focus on gender identity and education proposals making their way uh, through the Iowa legislature uh, with Representative Schuyler Wheeler, Republican, and Representative Sharon Steckman, uh, Democrat. Just to throw in some comments coming in by email, Daniel writes, It seems to me that if parents want to know what names or pronouns their children are using in school, they should create a home environment where their child feels comfortable having that conversation with them. Uh, Bob from Iowa City points out that, uh, according to his research, 46% of runaway children are LGBTQ, uh, forced out or felt unsafe in their home. Let's go to Laura, is uh, in West Des Moines. Uh, According to my screen, Laura, welcome to the program. Thank you. Um, I had a question regarding um, the teachings in the classroom surrounding same-sex and Um, transgender. So would this legislation impact like K through third grade teachings regarding like good touches and bad touches? Because, you know, those don't necessarily come from someone who is, you know, the same gender. And I'm not saying that, you know, um, everyone that is, you know, attracted to their same sex is going to do that. But that does happen. And it also happens with people that aren't the same gender. And so I'm just wondering if like this type of legislation that's regarding any type of sexual interaction is going to limit that. Because as of someone that grew up in a conservative household myself, we were never taught that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize what it was until I went to high school and college. And so I was just wondering what this bill, if at all, addresses that. Representative Wheeler. Yeah, I would say no. I would say the bill is very tailored to Basically, I would just call it gender ideology in general, but the good touch, bad touch, I mean, there's been instances in, in even rural Iowa where they'll dress up as a, a bear or something like that. I don't know. I never had this when I was younger. We didn't do that, uh, and I went to public school, but uh, there's some schools that have done things like that. doesn't pre- prevent the good touch, bad touch uh, ordeal that uh, this lady's discussing. Abdul writing to us, um, we always teach my kids to respect everyone regardless of what they believe in or what lifestyle is. Fortunately, to hear these teachers and politicians speak about getting in the middle of us parents and our kids is very disturbing. We always vote a Democrat, but we are seriously reconsidering. I'm sure there are parents that abuse their kids, but this is no solution. Uh, Writing from uh, that's uh, Abdul here. We have a number of other personal experiences here. Uh, but let's go to um, Jan in Ames for a comment uh, via telephone. Hi, Jan. Hi. Um, 
we are longtime foster parents. We've had many teenage foster sons, and we had at least two who were 16 years of age, and they were in foster care because when their parents found out they were gay, they were thrown out of their home. So, of course, I think of that when I hear of teachers possibly being required to inform the parents. Um, what will happen? Will there be more homeless kids? And one of them, Randy, used to talk with me about how difficult it was to be gay. It was not a choice as far as he was concerned because it made his life very difficult. Let's get responses from our lawmakers. Perhaps uh, Representative Steckman, can you go first here, reacting to Jan and Ames? Well, that's that's why I'm against this legislation. I feel like we're singling out a, a, a group of kids that already are having issues with, with uh, you know, some of them with mental health and uh, thoughts of suicide. I'll tell you, I had a message on my legislative uh, in my legislative mail, mailbox uh, from a young person sounded like a young person, literally crying and saying, please, why are you picking on us? Please don't do that. Don't you have anything else to do? Um, it just tore my heart out. I mean, I, I feel bad for these kids, and I think of all the issues here in Iowa that we could be working on, um, homelessness, child care, the nursing home crisis, drought. I mean, we have so many issues we could be working on instead of going after these young children. I, I have a question for Representative Wheeler following up on that. I mean, there hasn't been a, a subcommittee hearing yet for uh, the House curriculum bill, but there was in the Senate. And in that subcommittee, more than one transgender student testified that this bill and, and others like it make them feel like they're not valued, that they're, um, that they're, that lawmakers are not out to protect them. Uh, what is your response to their concerns about these bills? You know, we, we love our kids. We love our parents. Uh, we love our education system. And right now, there are always two sides to every story. If, if a student says that a bill that basically says, you know, parents have to know what's going on with them and that they feel, you know, that that's going to make them uncomfortable, they have the right to express that. But on the flip side, as a parent, and I'm a parent myself of two young children, if I don't know what's going on with my child and I see things changing, Obviously, I'm going to get frustrated and I'm going to think, okay, how do I help my child? So it would be nice to know, hey, this is what's going on with them. And unlike the opponents of this bill who continue to think that parents are going to do these harmful things, I think what's going to happen on the flip side is the parent is going to do what they've always done. They love their children. They're going to seek to help them and to, to comfort them and to be there for them as much as they can. But they can't do that when a, a taxpayer-funded school has a policy like in Lenmar where they just cut them out of the conversation. The discussion on the curriculum piece, again, it doesn't prevent anybody from having those discussions at home. That's where it's more appropriate. It's not appropriate on the taxpayer's dime to be teaching that to seventh and seven and eight year old kids. So I continue to hear these things. It seems like it's from a more emotional standpoint, but I look emotionally and I think in general, how do we get better if we're cutting parents out of conversations? There is an absolutely no process uh, that is going to make the state and these kids better if their parents don't know what's going on with them. 
Well, we're coming to the end of the hour. We have a, a little less than two minutes left. I think I'd like to, to have um, uh, Representative Stackman, our two guests, uh, mention anything that didn't get mentioned or perhaps emphasize the main messages they'd like to get out about the, this legislation. It's a lot of different legislation. Um, Representative Stackman, would you like to go first uh, for, for a, a little less than a minute, and then we'll give the remainder to Representative Wheeler. Sure. I think there are many wonderful parents out there, and they have those conversations with their kids. But for those few students and uh, that we need to, to help protect, because the parents maybe aren't ideal, um, and they're worried about uh, coming out to them, I think this does irreparable damage to that. Um, this is not the uh, what I was all about, singling out a group of people, young people, and rejecting them. Okay, the final 30 seconds to Representative Wheeler. Right, so if the policy that Lenmar has was, was a policy that was going to protect students, every school district in the state would be adopting this policy, and they're not. Uh, they went rogue. They went ahead and uh, thought that they knew better than the parents did, and I don't think that's okay. As a general rule, uh, the state, the government, does not have a right to keep secrets from kids and parents. Okay, Representative Schuyler Wheeler and Representative Sharon Steckman, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And uh, on behalf of um, uh, my co-host, Grant uh, Gerlach, uh, thanks for joining us and all the input this hour on this admittedly very controversial legislation. River to River today, produced by Caitlin Troutman, uh, with help from Sam McIntosh and Danny Gear, our engineer with John Pemble. I'm Ben Kiefer. Thanks for joining us. 